Welcome to the Rob at Desk Podcast. I'm Rob Blasey. Today, CPA Charles Reed answers my tax IRS questions and how would he solve the problem of simplifying the tax code. That and so much more. Charles Reed, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure, Rob. It's uh, Thanks for having me. So what caught my attention about you is uh, you're a CPA. And most I actually like talking to CPAs. I don't know. I mean, in our little conversation before we recorded, you seem to be actually be a CPA with a personality. Well, there are some of us. <laughs> I don't know if that's a part in school somewhere where they're like, hey, by the way don't you know don't have much of you know you're going to bore people already with your you know with what you're telling them well if you want me to if you want me to say tax code i can do that but i don't think anybody's going to find it interesting not even me right yeah you, you, you fall asleep yourself just talking about it right just you know it's, i have a i have a, a subscription to the journal of accountancy that sounds phenomenal and i keep it on my nightstand and when i have insomnia i pick it up <laughs> You said you said you're a grandparent. You're like, do your kids call you up and be like, "Hey, can you go talk CPA to our kid? He's not falling asleep." Uh, no, they don't do that, but they have sent them over sometimes. <laughs> so, but no, yeah. So, what's always interests me with like CPAs and everything is like when you print out the tax code. Now, maybe it's more for you know publicity purposes. When you see politicians do it, it looks like it's the size of a conference room is the tax code, like printed out on paper. Like it's, it's just ginormous. So how does someone like you start digesting the information of something? Well, first of all, the tax code itself is very thin paper, only about that wide. Okay. The regulations, the interpretations, the legal aspects and the case law behind it will fill a library. Okay. Not just a room, not a bookcase, a library, because every one of these pieces of the tax code gets regulations written on it by the IRS, and then they get litigated by people like me and other attorneys and so on. Uh, I'm a tax court practitioner. Okay. And so you have all the case law that then fleshes out everything over time. And it's just, it's, you know, one of my graduate courses in college was research, a full course of tax research, period. Okay. So, you know, that was, that's, that's a three, three hours of graduate school was tax research. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, I, see, and you know what though? And this is one of the reasons why I'm glad someone like you did that. Cause I would have never done it. And so now it's like, now when you have questions about my taxes, I'm like, Hey, Charles question for you. Yeah. Well, if, if I wasn't a, a Marine veteran, I probably wouldn't have had the discipline to do it. <laughs> well, thank you for your service too. I wanted to, yeah, no. Oh, jeez. So, what do people mostly get wrong about the IRS? Like, I thought, it, like, I just thought there was like where the tax code was a mountain of paper, and it's not nearly that. But I guess, like, with everything, like, what's the bigger conceptions that people have wrong about the IRS? Well, first of all, they think the IRS writes the law, and they don't. Your congressman. And your senators write the tax code. Okay. Chuck Reddick, who's the commissioner of the IRS, has never written a single word of tax code, nor has anybody that works for him 
throughout the entire IRS. Now they write regulations and they write interpretations and they write FAQs and they write all kinds of other things. But the tax code is written by Congress, pure and simple. Next biggest thing mm -hmm. about the IRS is you think they know what they're doing. And lots of times they don't. Oh, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a surprise, but at least it's an honest reflection, right? Well, I mean, if, if people think, well, if the IRS said it, it's true. No, it's their interpretation and, and the, their training and the IRS, the, the, I, I, in my stump speeches, uh, the, the biggest problem the IRS has is budget. That's number one. Okay. The second biggest problem is budget. Okay. And the third biggest problem Ooh, can I guess is budget. Okay. Yeah, you guessed it. Okay. And they bitch about it all the time. And they're right. They don't have the money for training. They're understaffed. They have uh, systems, some of which go back to the 1960s. Oh, why, do, why is it so like 60, 70 years outdated? What's the problem? Well, here about 20 years ago, they spent several billion dollars trying to upgrade the uh, all the infrastructure in the IRS and gave up. Uh, Chuck Reddick, the new commissioner, is working on it. They've got a lot of good things going on, but they're really behind the curve, and it's going to take them years, if not decades, to catch up. Wow. And COVID, COVID has just done nothing but, but send everybody home with pay. Uh, I mean, there at one point in time, they had like 20 million pieces of unopened mail. Jeez. And returns and things are taking months and years to get processed instead of days and weeks. And when you're dealing with these people, most of them, many of them are working from home if they're working and they don't have access to everything. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty much a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the general feeling of working with the IRS in general has just been magnified how bad it is just between COVID and people working from home and logistics and technology. Just it hasn't. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a pain point in people's lives. It is. And it's worse because of COVID. Uh, it's never been good, but it's now worse than ever. So, you know, now, now understand IRS, 100,000 people and individually, most of them are nice people. Yeah. Their mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, you know, they get up, put on their clothes, go to work, come home, have dinner, you know, make babies, whatever. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> they're in a system where they don't have all the tools they should have. They don't have all the training they should have. And they're put upon by irate taxpayers all <laughs> the time. Uh, yeah, no, I can only imagine <clears throat> it's like when someone calls, they're not in the happiest moods in it. And if they actually get a hold of somebody. I, I, take the blunt force of the I tell my clients, don't talk to the IRS. Let me talk to them because I'm a professional and I'll be calm and rational about it. Well, here a few months ago, the IRS made a mistake on me and screwed up and screwed up a tax return big time. We're threatening to lean my bank account and everything else. Oh, wow. So I got on the phone with them. Did you actually get I, a hold of them? Like how long did it take to get a hold of them? Uh, about three weeks. Okay. Uh, and I got this um, examiner, this uh, IRS agent, uh, actually a revenue officer. And I started screaming at him. 
because he 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 was he was lying to me and was telling me things that weren't true and he didn't know the law and he didn't understand and he was going to do some things that he shouldn't do that were against the regulations and I, I just started screaming at him and in the back of my mind I'm saying Charles don't do this you you tell your clients don't do this but I did it and of course he did he he got nasty and was vindictive about it. And uh, three weeks later, I got a hold of his boss, and his boss said, "Oh no, no, no! That we'll, we'll just wipe all that out and forget about it," because his boss knew the law. So e even professionals get sideways oh, with them at times. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, no, that's like the worst fear is when you work on a customer service line, and the person calling knows more information about it than you do. My buddy and I joke about that, like with. When those people, I don't know if you have the people knocking on your door to try to sell you solar out there in Texas where you're oh, at. Every day. And my buddy and I have researched it quite a bit because, like, we want to know the numbers. Is it worthwhile? All that, you know. It's And they come to the door, you ask a few questions, and they're just like, we're going to go to the next store. We don't <laughs> we don't, we don't, want to deal with you. That's how I handle most of these robocalls. Oh, uh, I, I had one this morning. They wanted to sell me auto insurance. And my auto insurance is actually with a client of mine. Okay. So I said, okay, are you going to let me do payroll for your company? Hello? Hello? He'd already hung up. <laughs> when, when I worked in an office and you, you cover for the phones and those robocalls come in, I would just send them to the other sales guys in the office just for fun. Yeah. Then you hear this, you know, a couple swear words over the cubicle and you're just like, it just makes you smile a little bit. So, yeah. so then with all the complexity with the tax code and even some of the revenue officers not knowing the details of the regulations and the rules like what would you do with to sort of simplify it if they if you were king for the day charles if you were king charles and they gave you you know you could make an edict over the irs system to sort of simplify it for all us peasants what would you do flat tax that seems way too simple it is and that's why it'll never be done congress writes the rules and the only thing Congress really has to sell for campaign contributions is tax law. So they sell it all the time. So how so how would a flat tax work? Because you hear these stories of, like the one in my mind, I've, I just sticks out is when you hear stories like Mitt Romney, especially when he's running for president, they're complaining, oh, he only paid so much in taxes. But he's got like probably an army of people like you to make sure he pays as little as possible. Which is well, like if he's and he's just following the rules other politicians have written. So when people say he's dodging it, he's like he's playing by the rules. Up to my knowledge, he's playing by the rules. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's been audited. Uh, you know, all these companies and people are audited. When I worked for J.C. Penney's years ago, uh, up on the fifth floor in the accounting area, the IRS had an office. Really, and they had two examiners that worked there full time for the IRS looking at transactions every day, okay? Okay. To keep things in line, okay? And, and what is, uh, is it Bezos or Musk says he's going to be the, the, the world's biggest taxpayer this year? Musk. Okay. Yeah. Musk, okay. And so if they're not paying taxes, it's because your congressman has written the law that way. Because that's what drives me nuts on here. Like, they're not paying their fair shares. Like, well, you're the one that wrote the rules. Exactly. They're paying the minimum required taxes. Nobody is required to pay excess taxes. How many people do you know that write an extra check and send to the government and say, this is a contribution to pay down the, 
the the debt. Oh yeah, there's nobody that does that. I, I think I've people- never met anybody. I, I've, you know, I understand that people have done it, uh, probably because you know the, you get to the occasional thief that says, "Well, you know, I need to make restitution, so here's the money," but they're, <laughs> they're few and far between, and normally on their deathbed. Um, so th- nobody's required to pay any more than is required. And believe me, I would love to be in the position where I had to pay a million dollars to the IRS at the end of the year. Because I'll know I've spent $100,000 making sure that's the minimum. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like in a flat tax, would you just, like, how would you then protect against, I mean, I guess if you're a king for the day. But, like, because my always concern is you make a federal flat tax, but then you have property taxes, sales taxes. Like, how do you make sure they're not, you know, hey, you're not, like, like you're in Texas. They don't have uh, income tax, but they get you other ways. Property tax is huge. Yeah. Sales taxes is high. But yeah, there is no state income tax on personal income. There is on corporate. Okay. So yeah. So like yeah, just it's like whenever you hear like, hey, we're not gonna, you know, raise the taxes here, and then you don't see what they're taking over here in this other pocket. They're like, we're well, raising the, it over the, here. The, the best thing about Texas is the legislature meets for four months every other year. Okay. So they don't have time to pass all these laws that other states do. They're busy. They're busy with their own businesses. They got to go back and and work for a living. <laughs> I think Texas is one of my favorite countries to visit. That's why I live here. I've lived here for fifty years. So okay, so uh, you're borderline native then. Borderline. Uh, you know, r- real native Texans don't don't give it to me yet. But you know, after fifty years, I I kind of claim I'm. I'm close. Yeah, no, they do the same. I'm out in Colorado. They do the same thing that we, luckily I'm married in, so they can't kick me out. So, so yeah. So flat tax to simplify everything. And then what would you tell people that are just frustrated with the IRS? Like, how would you help them out? Uh, bitch, it's your congressman. That's a really good point. But there's ways to deal with the IRS. I, I mean, I'm in the, empl- I'm in the payroll business and, and I deal with employment tax. And in fiscal 18, the IRS issued $13 billion of employment tax penalties. $13 billion? Yes, in penalties. Over half of which got abated, got reversed, because they were in error. So dealing with the IRS about penalties is a whole series of no's followed by a single yes. You just never give up. You keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. Uh, we had a client that was penalized with interest $95,000. Uh, on a on a W two problem, and I worked with the IRS. Got up to the director of field operations. He wouldn't return my calls. I called the the chief of appeals. I said, Shelly, I can't find this person. They won't return my calls. Shelly said, I'll have him call you. Called me that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> but I met I met the chief of appeals when I was up in uh, in as part of the IRS advisory council, and so. Uh, he called me. We moved it to another appeals office. They re-looked at it, and they sent my client a $400 refund. Wow. Because it was an error. It was yeah. a mistake. And this is something that your listeners probably don't know. The IRS cannot penalize you for a simple mistake. Only for gross negligence. That's okay. in the law. Your congressman wrote that in. Okay. Now the problem, though, is who defines gross negligence versus simple mistake? Right. And that's the IRS. Because <laughs> that's not in the law. <laughs> so yeah. you have to keep fighting that until you find somebody at the IRS that says, 
Yeah, that's a simple mistake. Okay, I mean, thank you. <laughs> I can only imagine like if it was a corporation. It seems like something my cable company would do. They're like, hey, guess what? We're going to penalize you for something. And until you fight it, we're going to keep charging you for it. That's what they do. And like in the sense there's no one, like you said, unless you actually know someone there or like someone that knows the ins and outs like you do, how do you fight that? You you don't. And that's that's why you outsource taxes and payroll and 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 this kind of thing to professionals that have been doing it for 30 years like me. Um, so, I've had this company I've had this company get payroll for we my wife and I started in 1991. Okay. What why did uh, you guys end up starting it back? What was what was the uh motivation to start the payroll company? Well, like any entrepreneur, I could I knew I could do it better, faster, cheaper than the next guy could. Well, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> and, and there's my newest book, The Payroll Book, a guide for small businesses and startups. So I wrote the book on payroll. So I, by the way, by the way, if you look at the binding of it, I thought your marketing team did a great job of it. If you turn it to the side and show the binding of it, you puts your name on top, says read the payroll book. Like, I noticed that right off the bat. I'm like, oh, good job. Good job. <laughs> right there. It's like, yeah, I should pick this up. Thank you. Uh, I will pass that on to my people. Yeah. They're, they're, that, that's, that's the biggest mistake I made was not hiring them a lot sooner in my career. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, thought, I thought I could market. Well, once I hired a professional marketing person, I realized I can't market my way out of a paper bag. <laughs> so, you know what? It's funny like that because we, we deal with people like – with the air quote experts, whether especially I would say in the money, money and health, I feel like are the two biggest misconception areas where it's like, everyone's got their friend. That's a personal trainer. They go like, Oh, I'm trying to drop some weight. I'll, you know, I, I'll do this, you know, whatever fad diet they saw on TikTok for a little bit and wonder why, like, why am I not getting healthier? It's like, and the same thing on the financial side where CPA is like, Hey, you know what? I saw this TikTok video of how to get wealthy or, you know, create wealth. And, how come I'm still broke? I had an engineer, and we were a client, and he said to me, Charles, you know, I can do what you can do. I, you know, I, I can do my own taxes. And I said, Fred, I can do what you do. I can go be an engineer. I can go back to school, take the courses, get the experience, and do exactly what you do. And you're right. You want to go back to college, spend two years getting all the education I have, then work in the field for 25 years. You can do what I do. Go ahead. I'll see you in 25 years. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because he, he decided to write me the check and have me do the taxes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I used to work in radio and people would always tell me because I produced the morning show for years and they would come up to me and be like, like, hey, yeah, I could do a show just as well as you guys. Yeah, right. Like, and we go, well, I go, I would, I would agree with them. I go, yeah, I think you could, but you probably could do it like once or twice. We do it five days a week, you know, 50 weeks a year. So yeah, you know, most everyone's got a good show on them. They've got enough stories they can tell. They have enough they can do. But when it gets down to like Wednesday midday, you're like, who I'm running out. What are you going to do there? It's like, it's the same thing with like the CPA stuff. It's like, or in the tax stuff. It's like, like we know enough to get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. You know, I know enough, like I know enough to like to run and lift and stuff with the fitness people until I get, you know, all of a sudden I can't get up out of bed because my back hurts too badly. Or you get the certified letter from the IRS and you go, what the hell does this mean? So, it's not certified. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Like if it's not certified, like really how important is it? Yeah. Oh, you, you violated code section 6201 sub C sub B. What? Yeah. 
it's code. Uh, what? What? <laughs> it's it's nonsense to you. Oh, that's it's... I get clients that way. All you know when we're first together, yeah. first in business, uh, we'd get a because we we take a I'm a CPA, so I take a form twenty eight forty eight from every client, which is a limited power of attorney, which means I get the same correspondence that the client gets, and we get certified letters in the mail that were for clients, but we'd get our copy. And my wife would get all upset because she'd call me. We, we got this certified letter. And I said, Ruth, there's nothing like a certified letter to bring clients out of the woodwork. <laughs> They'll be in the office tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> the IRS does your marketing for you. <laughs> Absolutely. They bring back wayward clients all the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You might be the one writing the checks to the IRS. <laughs> That's so. funny. Yeah, no, it's like with the uh, people always want to think they can do it themselves. And so at what level for, you know, adults as they sort of get past the young adult phase, when do they, when's the good idea for them to start looking at people like you, like when they buy their house, their second house, like if I'm just, what's the standard of not doing the software out of a box? If they have only a W-2 yeah, and no investments and no real property, do it yourself. Yeah. You can't do much harm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a $25 piece of software will do a wonderful job. Mm -hmm. Or you can actually get it online free from the IRS. Well, free from the companies, IRS free file and so on. Yeah. So it doesn't cost you anything. But the moment you get anything more complex than a W-2, you start, you get a 1099. Mm -hmm. Well, 1099, you've got to file a Schedule C. And with a Schedule C, you've got to know what are expenses, what's deductible, what's not, what income is, what revenue is, and the difference between the two, what's depreciation and how to calculate it, what should be depreciated and what isn't. So a 1099, a brokerage account, a house, a business, you need, you need a CPA. And a lot of, I think I heard this a while back where like the CPA, what most people, <laughs> most people I'd say get backwards is like, they'll come call you and like, December 15th, like, hey, what should I have done for this year? It's like they should be talking to you on January 15th going, hey, what can I do this year? Well, see, if they'll if they'll see me in January, February, March of this year or sometime this year, I'll call them in October and say, where are you at? What have you done? Come on in. Let's do some. Let's see if we need to do some more tax planning. Yeah. So I'll be proactive about that. And most good CPAs will be. But if you come to me. Well, the one I hate is the guy that comes in on April the 14th and says, oh, can you do my taxes? Huh. No, but I can file an extension for you. Because <laughs> I ain't going to do your taxes <laughs> on the last day and try and get them done right. So we'll file a six-month extension and come back and see me in June. We'll get them taken care of. Oh, man. No, I can only <laughs> imagine that feeling like the first couple of times I did them on my own, there's that fear of when, you know, it's the fear of the unknown. But like. One one of my favorite vignettes is from a TV show. Annie Potts was in it, and there was a, a a black bar restaurant owner. Yeah, and he was getting ready to remarry his wife for the third time. And she was a liberal Democrat, and she found out he's a Republican. And she says, "When did you become a Republican?" <laughs> and he says, "The first time I filed my corporate income tax." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. 
so then speaking with like the corporate income tax with companies, like how do you help them out? Like what, cause all of a sudden you have payroll and all the other issues. Like what, like what are the, some of the issues you see with like, especially smaller companies just starting out the mistakes they're making? Well, they, they don't know what they should track. They don't have good records. Uh, they pay people under the table. Uh, they do stupid things. They don't keep things. Uh, then they think everything should be deductible, whether it is or not. They don't understand the difference between revenue and income, and they're two different things. Depreciation always throws them off. Well, I, I, I paid $1,500 for that piece of equipment. I can't deduct it. Oh, no, you have to depreciate that over seven years. What? Yeah, you only get to deduct one-seventh of it this year. But I paid cash for it. I don't care. You don't get the expensive. <laughs> I can, only, I, can only, I can only imagine those calls. I'd hope to be there one day with you, Charles. Like, hey, Charles, I started my own business. Here's here's some of my issues. Well, you know where to find me. Right. But but don't wait until the 14th of April, okay? <laughs> because if you find a corporate return, you're already a month late. So. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> All right. Hey, Charles, what are, what are some of the big mistakes people can avoid outside of not calling you before the 14th of April? Well, on, on payroll particularly, yep. th the way to avoid penalties is, and, and this is true on all taxes, is make sure all your numbers are right. The biggest cause for penalties is arithmetic errors on tax returns. Arithmetic Pure and simple. Errors? Just arithmetic errors. They don't add, they don't add or subtract right. That's the biggest problem. Next thing is make sure everything's filed on a timely basis. If it says the 15th of April, don't go down to the post office on the 16th. You're late. Same thing with deposits. Make sure you make your deposit timely. One second late, and you got a penalty. One second. There's no no allowance. <clears throat> at, at the close of business on, on that particular day, close of banking business, if you haven't made that deposit, it's late. Wow. So uh, you need to arithmetic errors, file everything on time, pay everything on time, and then... Any letter you get from the IRS, respond to it. I don't care if you get the same letter a week later. Take a copy of your first response market, second answer, and send it back into them again. You may get the same letter from two different offices. Send your letter to both offices. Always respond. Never put it off. Always respond and respond quickly. It's a whole series of no's followed by a single yes. And so you always keep kicking up the line. Whatever they say you can do to appeal it, you do. And there's lots of levels, when up you say, to and including tax court. When you yeah, when you say all the no's followed by a single yes, it sounds very much like the sales process. Absolutely. It's you know, it was like you're getting a lot of no's and you gotta just keep pushing through till they say yes sometimes. That's that's where I sold it from sales. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, no, very cool. Well, Charles, it has been great talking to you. What outside of people, how can people connect with you if they have questions they want to get a hold of you? What do they do? CJR at getpayroll.com is my email. My phone number is real simple, 972-353-0000. It's the only good thing GTE ever did for me. <laughs> I'll put that in the description <clears throat> so people can find it easily. And, yeah. and then if they'd like a copy of the payroll book, Rob, yes. for your listeners, if they'll go to the payrollbook.com and at the discount code podcast, we'll send them a free book. That's awesome. I appreciate that, Charles. For your listeners. Thank you, sir. So no, another question I just have to ask, since you said you've been 
what you're you've been in texas 50 years you've been married how long now i was married for 45 years before she passed oh i'm sorry it's all right so i've been married about a year and a half and i ask this question a lot to guests is well i got married later in life both of our first marriages what advice can you give a guy like me to not have to do this again well there, there's a couple of things i believe in communication and compromise in a marriage it's a partnership yeah uh, and the other thing is happy wife, happy life. Keep her happy. Your life will be much, much easier. And I'm going to tell you something. This is long term. Yeah. Somewhere between 20 and 25 years of marriage, it gets a lot simpler. Because you've had all the arguments. You've had all the discussions. You know she's going to win. And you quit having them. At that point in time, you'll have start an argument and you'll both start laughing because you already know how it's going to end because you had it before. That's fine. So stick with it. Talk to her. Listen to her. Communicate. That's and, and be willing to compromise. I think marriage should come with a possession arrow. If it's real important to you. Do it your way if it's not important to her. If it's real important to her. Do it her way unless it's important to you. If it's important to both of you, that's where the possession arrow comes in. One time you get it, the next time she gets it. So you have to be careful if you want to choose it this time. <laughs> I think both arrows go on her side is the problem. Well, no, she has to agree to it. Yeah. No. But if she takes it once, then the next time she has to agree it's your decision. So yeah, it makes like for interesting it. conversations. Yeah, you'd, you'd appreciate this. We were walking around uh, Home Depot Saturday looking for filters for our furnace. I'm like Home Depot, what they did, and like the grocery stores use, they changed up where everything was in the store. You got to go look for it again. Yep. And so we're walking around and she goes, aha, see, I knew it was over by the, by the hot water heaters. I'm like, oh, you were right. And some random guy in the aisle goes, never admit it. <laughs> <laughs> He's divorced three times. <laughs> we, we got a good laugh out of that so but charles appreciate the time i want to link your information in the description anything else you want to say before we uh wrap this up no it's been my pleasure rob thanks for having me thank you sir really appreciate the time